We are live, Business and Buckets, episode 102. As we are fully transitioned to an MMA-only podcast, um, I'm actually booking some rental showings for my trip to Phoenix next week. I will start uh, doing some showings next Wednesday. As I prepare to move to Phoenix, we have transitioned to MMA-only Still under the business and podcast, uh, business and buckets podcast umbrella, but we'll be having some new names and logo changes coming as I move to Arizona. The few weeks being, you know, living here with no furniture and things like that. I don't really know how I'm going to do the podcast yet, so I've been waiting till I get situated in the new house to be able to unleash the new names, the new logos. Super fired up! I mean, we have a pretty awesome MMA podcast today. No UFC this past weekend, but we had Bellator action, had Dana White Contender Series tonight. It was a beautiful Tuesday. Wanted to see what Bo Nickel could do, and golly, can't wait to dive into that. Got my new sugar merch as we are counting down the days to UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi. One of my last weekends here in the Northwest. Kind of treating it as my going away party. Watch the sugar show in action, and... You know what, how beautiful it is living here in Seattle in the Northwest this time of year. The weather is insane. Yesterday was high 70s, been getting some golf in, went to my last Husky game against Stanford this weekend. I went to Jack Harlow at Wamu Theater, Uh, got to see him, you know, work on his jumper Tyler Harrow status. Uh, So just been living it up here in the Northwest as I get ready to move to the desert And I don't know if I'm ready, but I'm glad I'm moving in November and not in the heat of summer because it's still 100 degrees, supposed to be high 90s when I go there and visit. But enough, you know, I'm just I'm prepping you guys for the move. I'm excited, fired up. And a lot of this has to do with the podcast so I can provide better content for the viewers, especially MMA fans as it's MMA only, uh, but also on the business side. So before we talk MMA, let's talk Fueled Supplements, still supporting the show. Shout out Josh Moran, Fueled Supplements, and all the things he has going on. He actually lives in the Phoenix area, so I will be able to tune in with him more as I move to the desert. So, um, you know, it's it's 8.30. I'm about to go to bed about 10.30, and um, sometimes I have some trouble sleeping. So if you guys have trouble sleeping, if you wake up groggy, you feel like you haven't rested, maybe toss and turn a little bit, it's time to try Knocked Out. It's back. The market's leading advanced sleep and recovery formula, Knocked Out, is now in stock with the facelift. You got two new flavors and an improved ingredient profile. You can experience an unreal night's rest with this all-in-one sleep formula, superior recovery, muscle repair, pain relief, and anti-inflammation. You can fall asleep faster, sleep deeper, and wake up feeling more refreshed. It regulates depressive and sedative actions critical for relaxation, decreases stress and anxiety, manages cortisol and adrenaline reset, plus increases growth hormone production. There's two delicious flavors to suit your taste buds. Watch your sleep improve, your mood improve, productivity improve, and your life improved with Knocked Out. You guys can save some money when you do it. Go to fueledsupplements.com, use the promotion code BUCKETS for 15% off. Once again, promotion code BUCKETS, B-U-C-K-E-T-S. And again, it's all about supporting small business. That's what it's all about. Again, super grateful for Josh Moore and Field Supplements and Squad. 
So episode 102, whew, like I said, I, I'm just I'm, I'm kind of flying high after that Bo Nickel finish um, as I was super stoked to see what he could do. I feel like Dana just used it to get better Dana White Contender Series ratings because, you know, he had already fought, demolished a guy. I know he was young in his career, but still got the job done. He wanted to see more. But in the UFC, we have some fights that have been announced, and some of some of them very recently, they got your boy fired up. So we got Jeff Molina versus Jimmy Flick coming up. That's the first uh, fight that was announced for the new year. Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak, a banger in the heavyweight division. They were bound to meet eventually. Chris Curtis versus Joaquin Buckley. Buckley being active right after that loss, getting another guy that's been in the rankings, um, a guy that's had a crazy comeback story in the MMA world. So he's wanting to try to climb back into the rankings. And Rafael Dos Anjos moving up to 170 to square up against Brian Barberina. I mean, golly, what a scrap that's going to be. I got to see Brian Barberina in person in Vegas for my 30th, and it did not disappoint. The uh, the 4P, or the, you know, I don't know, what do you call it? Trilogy, quadrilogy, Brandon Moreno, Divison Figueredo being finalized for the Brazil event starting off the year at UFC 283. It is not 100% set in stone, but probably 99%. I mean, one of the better fight. you know, there's a reason there's four of them happening. Each fight has been insane, and ideally this one should bring clarity to what's going on and who is the deserved champion at the flyweight division. Bobby Green announced on Instagram he had tested positive for DHEA and was suspended by USADA. That's why he pulled out of his bout against Jim Miller, which was supposed to be at that UFC event I saw. Uh, but Jim Miller was able to take on Donald Cowboy Cerrone in his retirement fight. I wasn't too upset about that. Um, but yeah, bad news for, for Bobby Green. Edson Barboza injured and in pulling out of the fight against Aliyah Topiria. Bummer. That would have been quite the banger. I love to see Edson, no matter who he faces, as he always brings fireworks to the UFC octagon. And then, not no surprise here, with all the weight issues, canceled bouts, Aspen Ladd released from the UFC. You know, for me, it makes sense for her to go to the PFL and fight at a bigger weight class anyways. And then in fighting, we had Floyd Mayweather defeating Makiru Asakura via second round knockout. Seemed like slight work for the, the veteran 50-0 professional fighter. And after that, on the heels of that, he announces that he will take on YouTube star Deji, November 13th in Dubai. On that card, Chris Cyborg uh, was able to win her first boxing bout by unanimous decision. She was throwing hands, classic Cyborg style, and got the job done. And then the PFL, <laughs> putting both UFC guys up against each other in their um, finale Shane Burgos and Marlon Marias at 145 at featherweight will be squaring off against PFL and what a sure fucking box office fight that's going to be. And I'm sure they wanted to put both UFC guys in there so they couldn't meet up in the finale. Well, they're not even in the playoffs this year. You know, they want them to beat each other up basically. And then this weekend, what we can recap a little bit. We had Bellator 285. And before we talk about the results, this is what I'll say. You know, I am very biased. I've been a UFC fan since fucking 
I want to say seventh grade. So that would be like 2005-ish, like diehard UFC every time. They used to only have UFCs like once every three months. They'd be very stacked cards. They weren't putting them on every weekend like they were now. It was only pay-per-view, and you, you had to know how to stream it and how to be a real fan to watch it. I mean, these are the Gabriel Gonzaga days, Frank Mir, Randy Couture, right, BJ Penn, Matt Hughes, yada, yada. But um, I haven't been able to quite get as into PFL, Bellator, 1FC, and a big reason is, is the UFC has the best talent. It has the best matches. It has the best matchmakers for quality of fights. And a lot of the time, these guys try to poach off of guys that are unhappy. They're too old. You know, they've struggled, you know, whatever the, the, the situation may be. And I watched almost majority of this Bellator card, which I hate to usually watch prelims, but it was Friday. I had been chilling. Um, I was going to Jack Harlow. So I was just waiting until Jack Harlow. But boy, was this card underwhelming for me. Um, I don't know. I try to get more into Bellator, but the level of fights and competition is just glaring compared to the UFC. Um, besides watching the Dublin crowd go crazy and Peter Quelly's zombies walkout entrance, I felt like I wish I didn't spend my time watching these fights. Um, Benson Henderson beat the hometown Peter Quelly via unanimous decision. Classic Benson style grappling up against the cage, grinding them out through five rounds. Yoel Romero had a third-round knockout over Melvin Manhoof at light heavyweight, which is not his typical weight class, and forced Melvin into retirement with a nasty elbow while on top. And, you know, props to Peter for his toughness in the Benson fight. You know, he took some serious elbows and some damage and just, you know, acted like nothing had happened. And Yoel's fight was very slow-paced as Melvin knew the damage that Yoel Romero could provide, didn't want to put himself in danger, and Yoel was just conserving energy. He's like a conservative energy robot. Once he finds an opening, he fucking explodes, but he's waiting for that opening. Um, so it was kind of a slow-paced fight. He got the takedowns. He would have explosive takedowns, blast double legs straight at the hips, got Melvin down. But even those fights, to me, I was you know a little underwhelmed. Bellator gets to try to redeem itself this time in Long Beach this weekend. Bellator 286 in Long Beach with a 7 p.m. Pacific main card start. Uh, the main card's on Showtime. The past few bouts have had prelims free on YouTube. That's how I've watched, so I'd assume this would be the same. But this one's got a title fight. We get the 145-pound title with Patricio Pitbull versus Adam Borix. And, you know, this is how, you know, honestly undereducated I am in the Bellator world. Adam Borix, I have no clue. Um, I know that uh, Patricio Pitbull has looked pretty good in his last few fights. He beat a, um, another guy who's fighting on this card, AJ McKee, who's taking on Spike Carlisle. And then there's Aaron Pico versus Jeremy Kennedy. Um, but Adam Borix, he is on a three-fight winning, four-fight winning streak, all in Bellator. Um, he did beat Jeremy Kennedy, who is fighting on this card, uh, like I said, against Aaron Pico. Um, he's beaten Aaron Pico as well. So it seems like he's a pretty tough guy. He's, you know, he's beaten a lot of the other names in that division. Um, he's 18-1 and one overall, four knockouts, six submissions. He's 29 years old. I believe Pitbull is somewhat older, right? Patricio is... 35 years old, so a little bit post-prime. And uh, I got to watch that Bellator event here in Tacoma 
at the Emerald Queen Casino. And uh, it just seems like the 145-pound weight class is carrying all the weight. You got the Nurmagomedov there. There's a couple other guys. Everyone's calling for Patricio. So first step, he's got to defeat Adam Borix. That should be a great main event. AJ McKee, I'm excited. He's a young fighter. You know, is fun to watch. And Aaron Pico has been tough. Jeremy Kennedy, both guys who have been staples in Bellator. So uh, I have more expectations here. You know, I would have loved to see the 285 show out a little bit more. I love you all, Romero, obviously. And uh, in Dublin, you got to love. That just gets you hyped. The crowd there is top-notch, well-educated. You love to see it. But before we break down UFC Fight Night Vegas 61 that's happening this weekend, let's talk about Dana White Contender Series, the last episode of this of the season. We started off uh, at Bantamweight with Maytush Mendoka getting a first-round knockout. Blue hair and all came out just a few seconds in. Clean this guy's clock. He gets a contract. Um, at the flyweight division, Rafael Estevam dominated his opponent. He is undefeated. He's fought in the LFA. This guy looks tough. Looks to be a great addition to the flyweight division. He gets a contract. Then we had Jack Jenkins dominating this guy at featherweight. Mostly grappling. Took him down. Had top control but was throwing some nasty elbows that cut his opponent open. So at least he was being active when he was on top. He got the third round technical knockout. He's on a seven fight winning streak. He gets a contract. Then we had Sam Patterson winning via second round rear naked choke at lightweight. The first round he did get rocked, had a battle adversity, came out in the second round, outlasted his opponent, got that rear naked choke. He's on a nine fight winning streak. Lightweight's very tough, but he's long lanky. He gets a contract. Then the main event, this is the guy that is bringing all eyes on uh, Dana White Contender Series. Bo Nickel, basically USA wrestling legend, Penn State wrestling legend, really makes child play out of his opponent. 6-2, 7-1 record, doesn't matter. Comes out, knocks his ass down, gets his back, um, then even f turns over, shows his jiu-jitsu skills, locks in a deep triangle choke, grabs the arm, Gets the finish. I mean, holy shit. In a less than a minute, he displayed jujitsu, wrestling, striking the whole fucking nine. Dana White had no choice but to put him on here. But again, I felt like he used this as a promotion. He talks about Bo Nickel being in UFC 4, all these other things. But what a great episode. That's why I didn't do the uh, podcast till, till now. And plus, we're not recapping an, a, a UFC event from last week. But golly, the skill... He called out Kamzat Chemaev. Um, you know, he, he he is so full of confidence. He's ready to fucking rock. I can't wait to see what the first fight he gets. He's calling for a, a fight in November, December. We'll see what happens. But Bo Nickel has arrived, and all eyes will be on him. But enough about these barely UFC guys. Let's talk UFC Fight Night Vegas 61 this Saturday. It's a 4 p.m. main card start on ESPN+. Plus. I'll be seeing one of my favorite groups, artists, musicians, whatever we want to call it, Rufus DeSoul at my favorite venue, besides Red Rocks, but my favorite venue, The Gorge, one of the last awesome events I have before I'm moving. I thought about even moving to, uh, to uh, Phoenix in October, but decided to wait till November because of this fucking show. So I will be watching this probably on Sunday when I get back. But either way... Um, we get to see Trevin Jones fighting in a pretty good fight early on. We won't break that down, but that should be a doozy. I recommend tuning into this. 
And then again, the fights I break down are based off fighters I like to keep track of, people's careers that I'm interested in, whether that's Dana White Contender Series, Ultimate Fighter, whatever the hell it is, different promotions that I've seen, someone like Chandler who came from Bellator, whatever it is, or fights that I feel like are just worth talking about. So in the prelims, the very first fight, we get Randy the Zohan Costa, 28 years old with a 6-3 and three record, taking on Guido Ninja Canetti, 9-7, 42-year-old fighter, and uh, completely different situations here. I mean, this is an interesting fight of an up-and-comer in the bantamweight division versus an older fighter, 42 years old, looking to keep his fighting days alive in the UFC and just probably in general. When we look at it, Randy trains out of Sanford MMA. All that means is a bunch of fucking dogs. Uh, he's on a two-fight losing streak. He's only two and three in the UFC. But I've liked what I've seen from the kid. He's a guy that I've 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 I felt like could potentially have a career within the UFC. He's young. Again, his record doesn't show it. But I've liked what I've seen early on. I'm gonna pull him up real quick. I mean, he's fought some pretty stiff competition. He fought Tony Kelly with a loss, Adrian Yanez, stud loss, beat Journey Newsome, beat Boston Salmon in the UFC, and lost to Brandon Davis. So, and that's since 2019. Uh, so he's fought some veterans. Again, he's young. He's going to fight an older veteran here. Uh, but I, I like what I've seen from him. That's why we're talking about it. Six of his wins are via knockout. Six of his, um, all six of his wins. And he has a five-inch reach advantage in this fight. Now, Guido, he has a Muay Thai background. He trains at a Team Alpha Male. Bunch of dogs over there as well. He's on a one-fight winning streak. He is 2-3 and three since 2018. Four of his nine wins are via knockout. And four of his six losses are via submission. Now, this fight, early in the prelims, but I like what I've seen from Costa. I'm excited to see where he can go as he enters his prime. Very good bantamweight division. We'll see if he can climb the ranks. I'm taking the heavy favorite, Randy Costa. We putting him on our parlay. We marking that ish down. And we getting that bread. Moving on. We have Maxim Maximus Grishin, the 38-year-old fighter with a 32-9-2 record, taking on Felipe Monstro Linz, 37-year-old fighter with a 15-5 record. Now, this fight should be a fucking banger. It's going to be a scrap. Both fighters have a ton on the line here as their careers have momentum right now. They are a little bit older, you know, technically past that prime window, and um, they can't really afford a loss in this fight. Now, Maxim has a master of sport and hand-to-hand -hand combat where he was the Russian national champion. He's a PFL and M1 alum. He was the former M1 heavyweight champion. He's on a one-fight winning streak, is 2-2 two two in the UFC. 16 of his 32 wins are via knockout, and he's gone back and forth from heavyweight to light heavyweight. This is obviously at light heavyweight. Or wait. Let me look. Now I'm confusing myself. I think I'm pretty sure it's light heavyweight. Uh-uh-uh. Felipe Lins. Yep, light heavyweight. Just wanted to make sure. Wanted to make sure. And, um, well, 
Hold on, I just want to pull this up for you guys. We'll be talking about it. But um, uh, Felipe, he is a black belt in BJJ. He is a Bellator and PFL alum. He did win the PFL Heavyweight Championship Tournament. Uh, got the Millie. Came to the UFC. He's on a one-fight winning streak and is one and two in the UFC. He has recently returned to light heavyweight. Eight of his 15 wins are via knockout, and four of his five losses are also via knockout. Not too surprising with the big dogs. But I really like what I've, I saw from Linz in his last fight. He looked to be in good shape going down to light heavyweight. Um, he looked quicker, obviously looked to be in better shape, and I think he's going to have an advantage against Maxim Grishin here in the striking. It's going to be interesting. Felipe is a plus 150 underdog. We're taking him, and I'm going to put him on a specific underdog parlay, but we marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on. We have Christoph Jocko, the 33-year-old fighter with a 24-5 and record, taking on Brendan All-In Allen, 26 years old with a 19-5 and record. And this is going to be a banger in the middleweight division, man. We get a veteran in Jocko who is in his prime versus a very good up-and-comer looking to get on a run at only 26 years old. And he's a very well-rounded fighter for that age. Jocko is a brown belt in BJJ. He is on a two-fight winning streak. He is 2-1 since 2021. He is 5-1 in his last six fights. Now, Brandon trains out of Sanford MMA. He is a black belt in BJJ. He's an LFA and Dana White Contender Series alum. He's on a two-fight winning streak. Ten of his 19 wins are via submission. And he is 6-2 since 2020. So he has been very active. He even took a short uh, notice fight at a higher weight class to get back on the winning track. Now, I do think this is going to be a very tough test for Allen. But he has already fought stiff competition in the UFC in his early career. And although he is young, he has 10 UFC bouts under his name. Now, I do believe that Jocko is the better striker in this fight. But I'll take Allen's grappling and ground game. This is probably going to go to decision. But I like the gas tank that Allen has. I believe he's going to find a way. I think he's going to win the rounds. Octagon control. He likes to put his body up against the cage and kind of dirty box you. I think he's going to win this one in a close fight. Brendan is a plus 100 underdog. I'm going to add him to Felipe in that underdog parlay. We marking that ish down. Uh, we 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 taking Linz. We marking that ish down. We're putting him on that parlay, and we getting that bread. Moving on. We got Jessica Penne, 39 years old, with a 14-7 and seven record and the number 15 next to her name taking on Tabitha Baby Shark Ricci, 27 years old with a 7-1 record. Now, this is another veteran on her last few fights versus an up-and-coming star in Ricci who is finding her footing in the UFC. Now, Jessica is a black belt in BJJ, a brown belt in judo. She's almost two years removed from her four-year USADA suspension that really delayed her in the prime of her career. She has a kickboxing background. She is a Bellator Invicta and Ultimate Fighter alum. She was a former Invicta champion. 
She took part in the first ever woman's Bellator fight. I mean, Jessica Penne is a fucking OG and has paved the way for people like Ricci. She had the 2013, almost 10 years ago, woman's fight of the year against the karate hottie, Michelle Watterson. Golly, there's some beautiful women in the UFC these days, I tell you what. She's on a one-fight losing streak. She is 2-1 and one since her suspension return. Eight of her 14 wins are via submission, and she has a six-inch reach advantage in this fight. Now, Tabitha's a black belt in BJJ and judo. She's on a two-fight winning streak, 2-1 and one in the UFC, and she is an LFA alum. Now, I was wrong in Penne's last fight. I thought that Penne was going to win against the younger fighter. She has looked good. Her experience, I figured, would be too much for someone like Emily Ducate in her last fight. Now, that wasn't the case. Emily was just too quick and powerful for Jessica, this new breed of women's fighter. Now, that very well could be the case in this fight. But Tabitha has only fought one stiff competition in the UFC where she lost. I think Jessica and the team is going to put together a great game plan, especially after the Ducate fight, right? She's fighting up and comers at this. She's like the, she's the, um, what is that? Gatekeeper at this point. I think she's going to find a way to grapple, grind out a victory and keep her at distance, right? She's going to give her that stiff jab six inches, which I expected her to do more of in the Ducate fight. Hopefully her team puts that in the script. I am going to take another dog. <laughs> I'm taking Penne at plus 180 on the underdog parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. I feel like the guy in Dana White Contender Series, Yanni the Greek, who's just getting roasted for a while. But I'm confident in these dogs, and they're ready to bite. Now we get, and this is on the prelims. I'm, the, the, the card structure here is very confusing to me. Maybe these guys, the prelims that we're not diving into, I have no fucking clue about. But these are some sick fights. I mean, Alir the Sledgehammer Latifi, 39 years old with a 16-8 and eight record, taking on Alexi the Boa Constrictor Olenek, 45-year-old fighter with a 60, yes, 60, 6-0, 16-1 record. Now, this fight was eventually bound to happen. Both of these guys are true vets in the UFC. They have fought most of the fighters in the division. But when we look at it, Alir has a wrestling and boxing background. He has the ADCC gold in the European Championships in 2003 and 2004. He is tied for most light heavyweight stoppage victories in less than one minute in the UFC history. Only two, but he's got, he's tied. He's on a one-fight winning streak. He is 1-3 in his last four fights. Six of his 15 wins are via knockout, and four of his eight losses are via knockout. It's the life of a big man. Now, Alexi, he has a combat sambo and BJJ background. He was an international master of sport and sambo. He's got a black belt in BJJ. He was the 05 World Combat Sambo Champion. He is an M1 and Bellator alum as well. I mean, this guy's resume is fucking insane. He was the first UFC fighter in history with an Ezekiel choke finish. Now he's got two of them, one recent. He's got the second most submission wins in the heavyweight division. He had the 2018 submission of the year against Junior Albini. I believe that was the first Ezekiel choke. 
He is the first fighter to fight and secure a win across four different decades. What the fuck, right? 90s, 2000s, 10s, and 20s. 47 of his 60 wins are via submission, a.k.a. the boa constrictor. Nine of his 16 losses are via knockout. He's on a one-fight winning streak. He's only 3-3 three and three since 2020, but he does have a big reach advantage, 6.5 and inches and a 4-inch leg reach advantage as well. Now, Alir hasn't been as active as Olenek lately, which is crazy because Olenek is fucking 45 years old. He loves to fight, right? He's just a fucking, he loves it. This is his life. And although Alexi might be 45, he has great experience. He tends to just fucking find a way. He watches the game plan. He finds where they're weak. Maybe you're a better striker than me, but I can do X, Y, and Z. For that reason, I'm taking Olenek. I just think he's going to be too big for the sledgehammer. Um, and unless the sledgehammer knocks him out early, I'm going with the boa constrictor. We're putting him on another underdog parlay at plus 150. That underdog parlay is going to make some serious fucking bread right before I move to the desert and for you guys that tune in. So put them down and let's get that bread. Moving on. This is now the main card. We got Sadiq Super Yusuf. 29-year-old fighter with a 12-2 and record and the number 12 next to his name. Taking on Don Shameless Shanus, the 31-year-old fighter with a 12-3 and record. Now, Sadiq Youssef had his opponent pull out, a.k.a. Giga Chikadze, in the last fight night that happened two weeks ago. So he got scheduled on this fight night, and he's getting a guy who's making his UFC debut. When we break it down, Sadiq has a blue belt in BJJ. He is a Dana White Contender Series and Titan FC alum. He's on a one-fight winning streak. Six of his 12 wins are via knockout. His one loss was via knockout. He's 6-1 and one in the UFC. And he has a 4.5-inch reach advantage. Now, Don, he is on a five-fight winning streak. Now, to say this is a bold prediction is, you know, ridiculous. Uh, Sadiq is a minus 1,000 favorite. He went from fighting Giga Chikadze to the shameless Shanus, but you can never underestimate an opponent. And uh, Don is in his prime, right? He cannot be lightly just glazed over. Sadiq is battle-tested, though. He's ready to go on a run in the featherweight division. He was preparing in fight camp for someone like um, Giga Chikadze. For that reason, I'm taking Super Yusuf. We putting him on our. We're not putting him on a parlay. Why? Because he's minus a thousand. If there is a chance he does lose, I mean, let's say I throw a fifty dollar parlay on six fights and I put him on, he might up my money like ten bucks. My rule of thumb is anything over minus four hundred is not parlay worthy. If you want to try to win a shit ton of money, throw a bunch of money on a fight. I don't like that because there's too many risks. But we're not putting him on our parlay. Lesson number one, anything over minus 400, too big, too much risk. But I'm excited to watch Sadiq Youssef in the octagon. Then we have the co-main event. We get Randy Rude Boy Brown, the 32-year-old fighter with a 15-4 and record, taking on Francisco Masaranduba Trinaldo, the 44-year-old fighter with a 28-8 and record. Now, this is going to be a fun fight. 
I expect some quick, intense striking in round one, potentially through all three rounds, to be on display. Randy, he's got a brown belt in BJJ. He is a Ring of Combat alum and former champion. He had two successful title defenses there. He's on a three-fight winning streak. Six of his 15 wins are via knockout. Five of them are via submission. So 11 of his 15 wins are via finish. While Francisco, he's got a black belt in kickboxing. A brown belt in BJJ. He is a jungle fighting alum and former champion. He is on a two-fight winning streak. Nine of his 28 wins are via knockout. And three of his eight losses are via submission. Now, Brown is in his prime. He's on a roll. Francisco's having some success lately. That last fight he had was fucking chaos. Both fighters can't afford a loss, especially a 44-year-old Francisco. But I expect Randy to find a way to victory. He's tough. He's a great striker. He's durable. For that reason, I'm putting him on my parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting the bread. He's minus 300. That's, a, that's, that's, that's good enough. And then the main event, my wifey, Mackenzie Dern, 29-year-old fighter with a 12-2 and record and the number five next to her name, taking on Shannon Yan, the 33-year-old fighter with a 15-3 and record and the number six next to her name. Now, this is going to be a fun fight in the main event, man. I mean, I believe this fight is going to come down to one thing. If Yan could keep the, the fight on their feet and make this a boxing bout, Mackenzie always finds a way to get her opponents to the ground, though. She finds a way to get the fight to the ground, whether that's um, wrestling, leg trips, knockdowns, whatever it can be. And she is going to have a massive advantage on the ground, whether it's wrestling, whether it's grappling, jujitsu, whatever it is. I mean, the best <laughs> example is Carla Esparza embarrassing Jan in her last fight when it came to wrestling and grappling. And McKenzie is probably the most dangerous jujitsu in this uh, jujitsu artist in this division. So if it goes anywhere but with standing, you got to go with Dern. Now McKenzie has a BJJ background. She trains at a RVCA. She has a black belt in BJJ. Obviously, she won the ADCC World Championships in 2015, which is the best of the best in jujitsu grappling. But not only that, the year before, she won it in no gi as well. So she's just like, you know what? I'll win it in gi and no gi. Swag. She is a legacy FC LFA and Evicta alum. She has the most submission wins in um, UFC strawweight division with four. She's on a one-fight winning streak. Seven of her 12 wins are via submissions, obviously. And she is 7-2 and two since she's been in the UFC. Now, Jan trains out of ATT. She is on a two-fight losing streak. She hasn't won since November of 2020, and seven of her 15 wins are via knockout. So clearly different methods of victory here. Now, because of that, I do believe Shannon is going to have the striking advantage. I don't believe she will be able to compete with Dern if she puts her up against the cage and the clinch, gets her taken down, it goes to jiu-jitsu, and it's a five-round fight. Um, the odds of Jan knocking Dern out pretty early, I, I don't feel like are very, very good. Mackenzie Dern just fought, um, Marina Rodriguez, who is a very, very good striker. 
and it went to uh, the deci- the scorecards with the UD. Now, she did piece her up pretty good, but she didn't knock her out. Mackenzie is tough. Yeah, she chills on the beach. Yeah, her husband's a, a fucking stud surfer, but she's fucking tough, and she's ready to fucking rock. For that reason, we're taking Dern, who is the minus 225 favorite. We're putting her on our parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Now, when I say all these parlay things, I want you guys to get all the love. Rule number one, minus 400 or above, don't do it. Rule number two, wait until after weigh-ins. Someone might pull out. Someone might look like a bad weight cut. Like the last time Aldo fought, I wanted to pick Aldo and put 100 bucks on him straight up, but I didn't because he looked rough in the weight cuts, really had an issue making weight. So those types of things matter. Wait till after Friday morning. And then the second thing is, is make sure you you put it into a specific situation where it's not, you know, six plus fights. Maybe you make a couple, maybe one's more conservative. I always like to do a a little bit crazier parlay and a more protective one to try to just win my money. So I'll tell you the underdog parlay right now. And then the three that I'm comfortable within the winning parlay, we got um, Randy Costa uh, or Jesus. Is it Randy Costa? We got Randy Costa and Randy Brown. And Mackenzie Dern. I feel comfortable with those three as, as clear winners. I'm going to parlay them into football this week. But then I'm going to do the underdog parlay just straight up. This shit probably be nice payment. We got Felipe Linz, Brendan Allen, Jessica Penne, and Alexi Olenek. The dogs are out. And I can't wait to move to Phoenix because I could just whip up my DraftKings and show you guys what these payouts are. Right now I have to drive to a fucking casino to go put my bets in. So we out here. Your boy's going to be putting some money down. But what's after this? Another week off. Fuck, I know. We missed the UFC. But then we get a deep fight night card back in Vegas with a 4 p.m. Pacific main card start headlined by some other badass women. Alexa Grasso, Vivian Arahu, 15th of October. So tune in. We'll break this down next week. And then we'll probably talk other stuff until we get a preview of this fight night card. And UFC 280, Abu Dhabi, we get in there. Anyways, episode 102, I'm out. See you guys next week.